Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. Uh, my name is David Main. I'm a Baptist minister based in Essex and I am delighted to be joined this week uh, by the Bishop of Liverpool, uh, Paul Bay. So Paul, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Thanks, David. It's great to be with you. Yeah. Um, so politics in the pulpit. Um, I wonder what that means for you. Are these things that connect very easily? Uh, how does it sit with you? It, it, very easily. The, the, God is God and God is the Lord of all of our lives. And that includes, of course, our personal lives and our relationship with God and our salvation. But also it includes the corporate life that we have together which is just another word for saying that it includes politics. Yes. And uh, I've been, for the last eight years, I've been up here in Liverpool as the Anglican bishop here. And, and the, 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 every day you're faced with the realities of deprivation, of difficulty, of people who are on the edge of things, all kinds of different groups of people who've been excluded. And, and so it's always seemed to me an, an, an entirely proper part of my own ministry as I try to lead the church here, to be able to speak about what the gospel has to say in that situation, every bit as much as in the personal. Mm, I uh, love Liverpool. It's one of my favourite places. And uh, I just find uh, being on Hope Street between the cathedrals just a very moving experience when I'm there. I, um, from your work in, in the diocese, what are some of the key justice related issues that are kind of big on your radar at the moment so so there's the i mean in, in many ways the main one is whether or not this nation is one nation uh, uh, under god or whether there are two nations whether there's a rich and a poor nation uh, L liverpool is a place which has got fantastic people and an amazing sense of humor but one of the reasons people have got such an amazing humor is they've had to have that as a way of surviving there's a lot of poverty here, uh, even now. There was a lot more in the past, and we hope and pray there'll be a lot less in the future, but there's a lot of poverty here. And, 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 and so that issue, the issue of uh, income inequality, the issue of food poverty, in particular for the churches, uh, four out of five of all our churches in the diocese is involved in food bank provision. Uh, we, we try and provide debt advice. So things like that about people at, at, at that point. That there's also the exclusion of particular groups of people from or, or an increasing um, um, intolerance of various groups of people. So, for example, in the last year here in the city, uh, the, the amount of, of hate crime, homophobic hate crime in particular, against members of the LGBTI plus community, that's, that's increased. And uh, over my time here, I've tried to speak out for inclusion in that area, but there's a greater urgency in Liverpool uh, because the, the, the number of people who find it d d difficult or dangerous to walk on the streets because of who they are uh, has been increasing over the last few months. So those are just two of the things that are on my agenda. Yeah. Um and may I just ask a question about that as well? Is there any sense in what might be leading that um, that change, that increase, um, or is it hard to tell at this stage? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to finger the exact reasons for it, but there is no doubt that the the what you might call the culture wars mm. are, are getting uh, tougher and rougher. Uh, the the big moment for that for me was in 2016 when the Brexit vote came through. 
and and the faith leaders from across the faiths, certainly the Christian churches together, but also colleagues from other faiths, uh, we, we were all uh, convened by the mayor of Liverpool so that we could speak out because we know that there was a spike in hate crime then uh, against mostly against people from Eastern Europe, actually, or people of other races. Um, but but since then, the, the, the sense of fragility and the sense that the cohesion that holds us together as a society is getting a bit weaker, uh, that, that has increased. And I'm afraid uh, uh, people, the, uh, overall, of course, equal marriage has become possible in the nation. And, and so it's become legally possible for LGBTI people to marry one another uh, in the Church of England. Not yet possible, but we hope one day, I hope one day that will be. Uh, but I think as a backlash against that in some parts of, of society where people have felt pushed to the edge uh, they've responded to that with violence and with hatred and, and candidly in some parts of the West uh, mostly I would have to say in the United States or perhaps in Eastern Europe that kind of homophobia has been encouraged and so things are getting worse at the same time as they're getting better it's a complicated world. Yeah it is that paradox it's really hard to to live with I think. Um, each week we ask uh, some of the fabulous JPIT team for some of the things that they think we might be keeping an eye on um, as well. And this week, um, obviously, the universal credit uplift, which is due to end on the 4th of October, is very much a live um, issue. Um, furlough ends on the 30th of September, and that has the potential to have quite a big impact. And then I see in the news this morning that North Korea have been testing missiles, and that's making a number of, of people nervous in that part of the world, particularly in Japan. Um, if we think of where we are in the church season, obviously we're still in the season of creation and a number of churches marking Climate Sunday uh, at the moment, uh, last week in particular. Um, so there's lots going on that sets the context for um, our passages this week. Just before we look at them, I wonder if I might ask you a question about the lectionary. I mean, I'm assuming that you spend a fair bit of time as a sort of a visiting speaker, a, preacher, a guest preacher. Um, does the lectionary help? So you've got a sense of where a congregation's been and where they are. Does it help to kind of connect in that way? Um, I'm just conscious it's a different dynamic to what we've often had on the podcast. We have people with regular congregations. I'm conscious of Barbara Brown Taylor's last book, where she talks about always being a guest. And then she has some rather wonderful sermons. Um, but that dynamic is quite different, I think. Yeah, I mean, certainly for me as a bishop traveling around the place, the worst thing I can ever hear from a church is, oh, just come, bishop, you talk about what you want to, <laughs> of your choice. That, that could be a really easy thing. I could busk up three or four sermons and just hawk them all around the place. But I, I always write back and say, uh, I, I don't really want to do that. Can you tell me what, 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 what the scripture is that you think would be right for your community? And within the Church of England, most people would say, yeah, well, we'll use the lectionary. And, and, that's, and that's great for me. I think I need to fit myself to God's word rather than chopping the bits of God's word that I like and, and fitting them around me. Mm. Yeah. As, as someone who's sort of a fairly new convert to use of the lectionary, I'm appreciating that very much at the moment. So this is really helpful. Mm. So if we turn to our passages this week, we have passages from Proverbs 31 and James 3 into 4 and Mark 9. So the same three books of the Bible we had last week as well. Um, as you look at those, um, is there a particular 
um, theme or uh, issue that speaks across them all that you'd want to start with or a question or did a particular reading of those that, that captured where what sort of is in your initial thinking having looked at the readings well always when you read proverbs 31 who can find a good wife you know you 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 you, you think whoa just a moment this is this is uh, speaking out of a completely different culture from the one that we're trying to establish here but but if you go further into that passage you 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 do, you do find i think an echo of the other two readings um because because actually what proverbs has to say about the place of women um, um is is ex extremely hugely positive uh, uh, honoring people for their contribution to the community honoring people for their strength and and and, and for me the linchpin word across the three readings is the one uh, that that comes uh, in james where it talks about wisdom um uh, uh, proverbs is a wisdom book and 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 the the uh, the, the sense that god's wisdom uh, it brings with it a, a peaceable spirit and the, and the and the sense in the gospel that that wisdom has to be seen in an upside down world so 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 proverbs coming frankly out of a patriarchal society says the most extraordinarily positive things about the strength of women who can contribute economically who can really make a difference and 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 that that sense of the upside down wisdom of god is the thing that came to me as i was looking at the three readings mm I um, was reflecting on the Proverbs reading. I, I confess initially, my heart didn't sink because it didn't. But, you know, I think, what do I do with this? Because I'm so used to hearing it out of context within Proverbs. Whereas having read last week, Wisdom Speak from Proverbs 1, for example, and, and actually then put together with what Proverbs has to say uh, and about the role of women in general, you read, you can read 31 in a in quite a different way i think and a much uh, healthier way um so i yeah. think the connection with that and last week's reading is quite an interesting one yeah i think that's right you know wisdom cries out in the street and, mm. and then it says in the squares she raises her voice that that that, that personalization of wisdom as feminine mm. is, is 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 very significant i think and 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 as i say that the, the the sense that here that the painting of the good woman it, it, it all bases itself around strength. And, uh, you know, it seems to me when the Christian re religion falls short of God's plan for women and men together, it's when you get this stereotyping that strength resides in men and that the purpose of women is to be uh, supportive and weak so that they can be upheld uh, by the man's strength. Uh, that, that I, I don't recognize that. As, uh, there are obviously some references within Scripture on which that, that image is hung. But, but those references are outweighed, I think, in the Bible as a whole uh, by these extraordinary pictures of the strength and the contribution of women to society and, and of the divine wisdom uh, being expressed in female terms. Mm. Amen. Well, I wonder if we might turn in that case to the Proverbs passage first um, and pick out anything that particularly strikes you or... or um, yeah that you felt was uh, helpful in preparing for preach this week where where would you start with it i think there are two the, the, so the so the two verses unfortunately on my on my thing i don't have verse numbers but it says here she girds herself with strength and makes mm -hmm. her arms strong and then later that's echoed when when the, the comment that's made by the writer strength it says strength and dignity are her clothing 
and 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 that is so different from the from what people think is the biblical stereotype of the of the of the weak stay-at-home woman. Uh, here's here's someone for whom strength and dignity uh, are her clothing, and then it says she opens her mouth with wisdom, which is as I say the kind of keynote for me across these three readings. And if you approach that image of, of, of strength and dignity and wisdom, uh, and th th then it, it, it just seems to me that for, especially for women and for uh, uh, opposite sex couples in the congregation you're speaking to, you, you've got an image of biblical womanhood, which, which, is, which is really, I believe, encouraging, maybe for some challenging. I remember uh, when I was a parish priest, so now two or even three decades ago, we, we taught about the place of women from the scripture. And, and I had a, I had a man, we had a woman in the church who had just come to faith. Her husband not yet come to faith. Uh, uh, but he kept knocking on my door on the Wednesday after the Sunday when we preached to say, why are you stirring up my wife so that she's now taking a stand about things that she think are important? You know, why are you doing that? And, and I must say, I did my best to care for the guy. But I did feel rather proud, actually, that that was the result of preaching from Scripture uh, on this woman who'd just come to faith, that she felt, I am a person of strength and dignity. And, and that's what I'd hope uh, would, be, would be laid either as a foundation or built on in the lives of the women and men who listen to the, to the, to the sermon on a Sunday. Mm. I was uh, reading in a, a commentary in preparation for this morning, um, and the commentator was very down on the NRSV's use of the word capable, here is a description of, of yes. the woman saying that actually when that same word, the Hebrew, is used um, in the beginning of this chapter um, from Lemuel, it's actually taken and translates as physical strength. Or in numbers, that same word means valiant military service or strong moral character. But then yes. here in this context, it's kind of downgraded to capable. Yes. Yes, yeah. and, and and the, the so the, the the image of someone is just kneading dough or just doing homely yeah. things, where, yeah. where, whereas actually we're looking at someone who could make as much of a contribution um, um, yeah. as 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 a and 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 it's interesting. There's an there's an echo, isn't there, on on the, the reading from Proverbs one? You know, wisdom cries out mm -hmm. in the streets, and then it says, at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. That's Proverbs one twenty twenty one. And, and, and of course, here in this in this reading, it says her husband is known in the city gates. He takes his seat among the elders of the land, and you can think, oh, okay, well, you know, the men are really in charge here, and and, and the capable wife is just looking after her man. But, but but the whole of Proverbs is shaped by that first chapter, which says it is it is wisdom, it is the female personification of God's wisdom, who sits at the entrance by the city gates where the men normally sit, and who bring wisdom. Uh, to, to those guys and presumably give them something they would not have if, mm -hmm. if, if the woman had not been in the midst of them. Yes, and the whole chapter ends with her being praised at the city gates yes. it, as well, it kind of bookending the whole Proverbs. Um, yeah, and what's great about that, David, I think, is it says, let her works her works praise her in the city gates. So it's yes. not saying, oh, isn't she lovely? What a trophy wife I've got. Isn't mm -hmm. she beautiful and sweet? It's saying, look what she's done. Look at all these amazing contributions she's made to our society. Three cheers for her because of everything that she's done. Her works praise her. I think that's really good news. Yeah, yeah. She it, it reads that it? she provides. She's resourceful. She's yeah. got skill. She's diligent and dedicated. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's so helpful to move beyond that initial trophy yeah. wife sort of taking of of this passage. I think, and of course the structures of the time. 
um and the function of home would have been very different yes. as well um if this was written in a sort of post exile everything's collapsed yes. for the nation actually the home has become the center of resistance of social life of religious yes. institution so home isn't something where things that aren't very important happen it's actually where everything important is happening at this moment yes yeah. uh, quite a different yeah. thing I, th I think I think that's right and it is I mean it's interesting now of course to look at Afghanistan the post-Taliban Afghanistan where, where, where of course the place of women in the public square has been downgraded um, um, but, but of course the Taliban that they want to make room for women in the private space but but by by, by, by doing that they, they may not want to do this but they're releasing the strength of women in that private space in a way that clearly contributes uh, to, to, to the whole of society. Uh, and and, in, and so, so the, the culture war that says, you, you, you know, the, the, everything's gone backwards in Afghanistan, that may well be true in terms of the education of women and in terms of the public square, but the, the strong place of women in any society, even in one like that, is, is evident, and I think that I think this 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 reading echoes that. I think, and, and if, if you're a Christian woman in Afghanistan now, um, uh, uh, and you read this passage, I, I, I hope that that would give you the, the strength to continue with your contribution wh wherever that can be made. Yeah, wonderful. Is there anything else in Proverbs you want to pick up? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think so. No, that's the, the. I mean, it was just the good news that 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 what has so often been used as a way of putting women in their place. Actually, if you read it properly, it turns the world upside down. Yeah. Um. Should we drift into James? Great. In that case, um, what uh, what strikes you from from this passage? I think the echo with Proverbs begins at the beginning. So the the. The, the, the sense of being wise and understanding is James. I mean, James is one who's forever looking at the outworking of things. Mm -hmm. so, so he says, are you wise and, 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 and understanding? Uh, how do we know that? Because you're going to show us. You're, you're going to show us wisdom in the way that in, in Proverbs, the good wife shows her qualities in, in, in terms of contribution to the, to the society. And, and, and that, 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 that's coupled, of course, with the sense uh, the, the, the sense of wisdom as being a gift of grace. So, so it's not about, you know, clever people. In, in so, sometimes I think when I look at the uh, conversations in the churches about hot potato issues, so in my own Church of England about sexuality and marriage and relationships, for example, uh, uh, some people always describe those things as debates, as, as though we're in the Oxford Union, and, and as though what matters is that you've read enough books and you can be clever enough. Um, um, but this impact of James here is to say, what does it look like in people's lives? It's people's lives we're talking about here. And, and, the, and the, 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 the sense of God's wisdom coming down from on high, the pure and peaceable wisdom from above, is seen and manifest in, in human lives. And, I, and, I, and for, for me, that is the gift of James to the scriptures. I know um, uh, those who, that, uh, you know, L L Luther famously didn't have much time for the Epistle of James, but I, 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 I do. I think it's a great book and, and complements some of the other insights from the Epistles because of this relentless impact on, on, on the practicalities. Not, 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 you know, it's your works that will save you, but that, but that sense that the practicalities of life are the, are the lens through which you can see whether someone's open to God's wisdom or not. 
absolutely. I was struck as well in, in this passage about um, engage, sort of the encouragement to engage uh, with the world um, without it turning into sort of a perpetual grumble. You, you yeah. know, there is a sense in which there is a vast amount of grace and generosity and hope and beauty in the world and where to celebrate and, and add to that and make our contribution. Say so wisdom is deeply practical. Um, and then it uses some agricultural imagery to talk about, you know, the sowing um, yes. in verse 18. And I think that's important too, because it, it gives a sense of perspective of time as well. It's not about instant results. Yeah. That's not how agriculture works. I think that's something we lose by not working the land in the way that we do, um, that most people don't do now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, and 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 it is. I mean, it's interesting you say that, David, because it. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just put in mind of Paul's phrase where he says, "You are God's field," and then he says, mm. "You are God's building." So you get that those those two things: the sense that we're receptive of God's grace, and the sense mm. that we're to build on that and and make and make something of ourselves. In in Liverpool, we we we, we talk about having our rule of life. Our rule of life. Uh, it's very, very simple. We tried to find a way of expressing our discipleship in a way that uh, kindergarten children could understand as well as doctors of theology. So we say we're, we're called by God and sent by God. We're called to pray, read and learn, and we're sent to tell, serve and give. And, and, and that, you know, this reading ends, draw near to God and he will draw near mm. to you. That's the inner journey. And then the outer journey is expressed as James always does in terms of practical contributions in, in society. And I, and I think that breathing, uh, you know, being called and then sent is, is something that you catch in this reading. Very much so. Is there anything else in this passage that's particularly striking you? I think I think only to underline what I said a few minutes ago, that, that where he says, you know, I notice he says that you're conflicted and that you're disputing, all all, all that stuff comes out of out of unmitigated desire, and and I and I and I do think sometimes when and this is true across the culture wars that 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 really what what people say is I want something. You know, I want the world to be the way I want it to be. I want my ideas to be generalized to everybody. And if that can't happen, I'm going to be jolly cross about it. And I think that sense of actually being able to put your desires in perspective, to be honest about them, and then to say, I, I understand that you also have desires and that God places these things in our hearts and, 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 and gives us the choice as to what we do with them. Do we use them for destruction or do we use them for salvation? And, 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 and rooting all that in what we want, rather than imagining that all we are is disembodied heads having arguments, I think is a really helpful way of looking at the church's conversations. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, and those that quarrelling and that thinking was for me where I sort of started to draw connections with the gospel reading. Yeah. Um, which we'll turn to now in Mark yeah. 9. Because there's this this undercurrent of um, the disputes between them, the first and the last, and the, and um, the parallels that we see elsewhere of that in the Gospels, um, and there's wranglings about prominence, which seems yes. to cut against it, particularly the the very explicit words of James about how to live at peace. Yeah, um, yeah, and it and it is that it's that upside down thing again, isn't it? That the the you know the, the language that our Lord uses, he talks about. Being the last, he talks about being the servant. He he lifts up the child, 
And, and, and that, that sense in which if we are to look for the work of God in the world, there's no point looking at the heart of things. You have to look to the edge. And, and mm -hmm. when, when I was introduced here in Liverpool all those years ago, at my inaugural sermon, I said, in the, speaking now of our Church of England, in the past, I said, we used to be in the middle and at the top. So in a parish, there would be the squire and the vicar. Uh, in Parliament, there would be the bishops still in the Lords, but with a much louder voice in those far off days. And, and, and now we're on the edge and underneath. That's what I said to Liverpool uh, in 2014. And, 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 and I still think so. And then I said to them, on the edge and underneath is where Jesus was. So if we want to get alongside alongside Jesus, then on the edge and underneath is where we need to be. And I think this reading from Mark uh, is, is one of the places where that could be clearly seen. Love that. So I'm making notes as we go through as well. Um, I was struck at the beginning, towards the beginning of this reading, where it says in verse 32, they didn't understand what he meant, but they were afraid to ask him about it. Yeah. Um, and then I was wondering how much of that reflects the gospel reading from last week where Peter takes Jesus aside. I still think that's a wonderful moment where he sort of takes Jesus aside for a quiet word to tell him what he should be doing. But Jesus responds quite strongly yes, by saying, get behind me. Satan. I just wondered, I thought, I wonder if some of that is the reason why they might feel afraid. You know, there's that sense of we're not quite, we could get this really wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, well, yeah. That's 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 right. But also, I I think it, it to reveal that you're to, to reveal that you don't know stuff is to put yourself in a vulnerable place, and 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 quite a lot of the of the whistling in the dark. And I'm not now talking about the church. I'm talking more generally. You know, the 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 apparent inability of our political leaders ever to apologise for anything mm -hmm. that they might ever have made a mistake about. The feeling that if you ever do that, no one's ever going to vote for you again because they realise you're not perfect. I mean that 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 produces a, 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 a society rooted in untruth, and 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 it's all based on on fear. In 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 our diocese, when we put a new priest into a new job, um, uh, we invite that person to choose a reading. I said earlier, I never choose these readings. I just preach what I'm told. Um, uh, but yesterday, uh, uh, from First John. Uh, we, we, we had that marvelous phrase, just perfect love casts out all fear. And I said there, you know, the opposite of love is not hatred. The, the opposite of love is fear. It's fear that produces hatred. And here it's fear that produces silence. And, and, I, and, I, and I think the, the capacity to say, I don't know, um, um, is, is, it, it demands a strength of character, which is not honored in these days. But in this, in this passage, we, we, we see the results of it not being exercised. Yeah, very much so. I was struck in verse 36, 37 as well. Um, again, reading this morning, apparently the, the word in Aramaic, which is translated here as child, can also be translated servant, which fits yes. so beautifully with the words that come before and that Jesus is really making a, a very a much broader point here. I mean, often this is one of the passages we would use it child dedication services or something of that ilk but uh, actually jesus is making a slightly bigger yeah. point here i think um not to say yeah. he's not talking about the importance of yeah, children. yeah that's right i mean it can it can all get a bit kind of um, um uh, you know you imagine sunday school pictures of of of, the, of a blonde and white jesus dandling a little blonde and white baby on his knee and and, and that, that's not to say god doesn't love kids but, but 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 you're quite right i mean the key i think i think whether whether you interpret it as child or servant 
the, mm. the key thing is wh whichever of those two it was they had no business being in the middle of a bunch of grown-ups and and, and 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 Jesus again the wisdom that turns the world upside down is mm. is evident through 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 God's having chosen the rejected and I mean my own rule of thumb uh, in, 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 uh, I'm not saying I've lived up to this, but my own my own rule of thumb as someone who tries to be there for people is always to ask the question: In this context, who has been excluded? It, wh wh where has the line been drawn, and who's on the other side of that line? Because wherever there's a line drawn, someone's on the other side. That's where you'll find Jesus. Throughout this section of Mark's Gospel. I think beyond just this reading today, when there's a real sense of Jesus deliberately, consciously, intentionally identifying with the marginalized and the lowly, yeah. even though the physical places he moves to are away from the center in, in here. It, it's, um, it's quite strong in this bit of Mark, I think. Yeah. And, 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 and applying that to himself, you know, you, 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 mm. you, the, the, you know, from another part of the scripture, you call me master and Lord and you're right. Cause that's what I am. But actually he's saying here, uh, I'm going to be betrayed, going to be killed. It's mm. not going to go well for me. And of course that's when Peter says, now, come on, Lord, buck up. You know, <laughs> yes. you're, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be encouraging us. You know, and and uh, uh, Jesus doesn't have much time for that, for that sort of falsehood. Mm. Um, and, 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 and that, it, it could not be clearer than in the reading of the gospel, that, that, that when we're to look for God's presence, as, as, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, you know, God allows himself to be pushed out of the world onto the cross. And, 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 and if, if, if that's the case, why do we keep on trying to find the church in positions of power and influence as, as though as though being in the midst of people of power and influence is where is where God is 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 insisting that we are I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand in positions of influence but the purpose of being there is to point and, and who we're pointing to is Jesus on the cross and we're pointing to the people whom Jesus identified with that is those on the edge and and and, th and that seems to me to be the place of Christian preaching in the public square mm. and so given that and these three readings if you preaching them this weekend would you be looking to hold all three of them together in a particular sort of and and, and draw that that thread through all three or would you major on on one or what what would your sort of approach to managing that be yeah, I mean, you see, now I'm, I'm an Anglican, so so basically, when it comes to preaching, you don't have much time. Yeah. If, I, if I had a long time, you know, if I was if I was if I if I was preaching in in a free church that was used to a fifty minute sermon, I think we could go into all the points that we've that we've made here. Um, um, in in some parts of the Church of England, if you've been going for eight minutes, you know, people start to doze off. Um, um, <laughs> but, but but actually, I could probably say in one minute or two minutes what I think, which is here here are three readings about God's upside down wisdom. Things that you think are clear are not clear when you read the Bible, because the Bible turns them upside down. Women, you know, keep your mouth shut and stay at home. It's not it's not like that in the Old Testament. Uh, 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 strength and and understanding is is the most important thing. Never mind about God's wisdom. It's not like that in the epistles. Uh, uh, Jesus is the King whom we all fall down before because because you know he 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 wants us to be uh, uh, like the Roman Empire only better. It's not like that in Saint Mark's Gospel. Things are upside down. Wisdom is upside down, and isn't that great? Mm. 
I uh, was invited to preach at Ascension Day in our local Anglican church here. And I walked in, the man said to me, said, now we know what you Baptists are like. Um, <laughs> he said, we do 10 minutes here. And I'm just telling you now, I, I confess I did 10 and a half. But And in terms of form, do, do any of the readings sort of speak to you of a particular way of preaching? I mean, I was very conscious that the Proverbs reading is an acrostic poem in, in Hebrew. I mean, yes. I read that. I didn't know that, I have to say, looking at the text initially. Um, but I, I and I hadn't got very far with my thoughts on that, but I didn't know if you thought about whether the form would be shaped by any of the readings at all. I mean, you do, the, the, as you know, there are some, there are some translations of the, of the, of the Old Testament, the Psalms in particular, that try to re replicate the, mm. the, the form of the Hebrew. It's never, it's never that easy to do. And, mm. um, um, but, but I do think the, to, I mean, to, always, I think, in, in, in a church setting, to hear the word of God read r r rather than, and, and, and I always, in, in, in my own practice, if, if the if the readings are printed on, on on an order of service, I always try to encourage people not to follow it in the order of service, you know, but to listen to the word as it comes to you, yeah. and and because then there's more of a chance of being surprised by what comes next because you're not kind of reading ahead, and 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 I and I and I think that I mean together of course with the reality which is that preaching is also an oral thing, I, yeah. I I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a great believer in 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 trying to put paper down. It's it's a bit like I was saying earlier about how do you get outside of your head, so that so that the Christian faith is more than just a bunch of arguments, and 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 so I think to hear the word read and to hear the son preached, is is it disposes you then I think to listen out for God's surprises, in in a way that if you read things yourself, I'm not knocking reading. I spend most of my life doing it, but if you read things yourself, you can be fooled into thinking that you're in charge, whereas actually mm. God's word comes. I'm thinking of Moses in a burning bush. You know, you're standing there looking at a bush. Suddenly, you hear God's word. It comes as a surprise and sometimes as a shock. And, and, and in particular, if we're talking about God's upside-down wisdom, which is my, my kind of central image for these readings, that, that I think, is, is, um, is best done in a, in a context of speech and listening. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your your thoughts with us and there's plenty there for people to work with as they prepare for this coming sunday um we really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us um this morning and uh, if you uh, watching or listening have enjoyed politics in the pulpit you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can share this with your friends too and we'd love to hear your thoughts how did you get on with last week's readings what might this upside down wisdom have to say to you this week you can share those tweeting with the politics in the pulpit hashtag and join the conversation in that way but as we head into our pulpits uh, we end today with a blessing May the blessing of God, the God of peace and justice, be with us. May the blessing of the Son who weeps the tears of the world's suffering be with us. May the blessing of the Spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope be with us from now until eternity. Amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs>